right, welcome back to Vernacular Podcast. I am joined today by my friend, Nate Seipt, who's been on the show multiple times before, but I think it's been a while. So, Nate, welcome back. Thanks. Awesome to be here. Yeah, I'm especially excited to have you here. I am really excited because we're going to talk about being a dad and fatherhood. And the reason I'm so excited about this is because I finally can call an episode of our podcast, The Dad Pod. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I've been wanting to do this for so long, and, and now my moment has finally arrived. So it's, it's an exciting day. There you go. Yes, um, this is awesome. This follows on the heels of Sally having a great conversation with her friends, Caitlin and Maureen, about motherhood in our last episode. And it was really great to hear Caitlin and Maureen share some of their experiences from being moms. And I mean, I, it was great to hear Sally too, but I know all of Sally's experiences because this is stuff we talk about with respect to our kids every day. But it was just great to hear some other perspectives and then implement some things. So for example, one of the things um, that Maureen and Caitlin shared with us was that the use of timers is really good when you're managing toddlers expectations and trying to help them sort of schedule their day and recognize Uh that it's 10 minutes till bedtime. So that's something that we've implemented in the past few weeks, just since they told us to do that. And it really has helped things a lot. I think it does help to sort of manage expectations. So um, no pressure, Nate, on you to give me any groundbreaking insights like use of the timer (laughs) in this conversation. But I did want to get you on the line and just talk a little bit about being a dad. And I thought you'd be a great fit for this because you are about a year, almost a year ahead of me in the fatherhood trip. And um, because you're a friend of mine and, and I sort of you know, know know how you operate as a dad, I know that you're a very involved father and I thought you'd be a good good person to talk about some of these things with. So I thought what we could do is sort of similar to what Sally did with Maureen and Caitlin is just share some of our current struggles as they relate to fatherhood, some of the joys and struggles of being a dad because, um, there's a lot of joy and there is a lot of struggle because it's, it's, um, you know, it's, it's not an easy job, not as hard as being a mom, I don't think, but it is not an easy job. And, uh, I think, um, you know, there's, it's easy when you look at someone else parenting and you look Mm -hmm. at it through the lens of Instagram or Facebook or whatever social media app they use. It's really easy, I think, to get discouraged and think, man, my parenting experience is not as seamless and and rosy uh-huh. as that person's. But I think, yeah. you know, that, that only tells part of the story. There's no perfect parent out there and there simply is no parenting experience that is going to be um, all fun, all roses all the time. And so I think it's really yeah. also important to be honest with each other and talk about <laughs> talk about what's what's hard and what's going on and maybe how, how we can do things better. So if that's, if that sounds like a good plan to you, let's go ahead and get started. Yeah. Yeah. I will, um, um, you want, you want to share your struggles first or you want me to go first? I just want to mention two things off the bat. So I, I was thinking about, you know, as I was thinking about this, doing this podcast, um, I can't remember the author's name, but I think you've talked about it on vernacular before. I think we've talked about it before that she wrote an article in the Atlantic called why women still can't have it all. Yes. Anne Marie Slaughter. Yeah. Anne Marie Slaughter. That's correct. Yeah. And then she wrote a book about that and I, and she expanded the article into a book and I, I read that book and it's something that I've often come back to. Um, you know, like you just said that moms have the harder job and I agree because moms are normally the primary caregiver. Um, right. Anne Marie Slaughter in that book kind of talks about the primary and secondary caregiver because her husband and her were both kind of equal, equal job levels. You know what I mean? They were both what deans or professors at universities. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and, and they had to decide, sit down and decide, okay, which one of us is going to be primary for the kids when the school calls and says, you need to come get your kid and take them home, which one of us is going to drop work and go do that. So I, I think in America, it's m normally mothers that do that, um, that, you know, we, we have a lot more stay at home moms than we do stay at home dads, but yeah. So I think that's why it's more difficult on the mothers. Yeah, and I then, totally agree. And I think it's probably the norm for a couple of reasons. I think one is that, um, mothers are just more innately empathic and, and I'm painting in broad brushstrokes. So there are, right, there right, are obviously, right. you know, this isn't obviously true in every case, but mothers, yeah. mothers broadly speaking are more empathic. So I think, you know, the tug of like wanting to, to, yeah. to be the primary caregiver is stronger in a mother's case than it is in a father's again, gener right. generally speaking. Right. And, and the other thing I think is, you know, in reality, a woman's earning potential outside the home often is not as high as a man's. And so, when, yeah. when a couple is having a conversation about who should be the primary caregiver, um, just given the current economic reality of the workforce, it, you know, it, it often ends up being the one with the higher earning potential, which right. is, is often the man again, not always, yeah, you yeah. know, and I'm painting in broad brushstrokes, but all right. those things combined, I think, make it, uh, make it that the mom has the hardest job. And even if, yeah. even if the mom is the secondary caregiver, um, you know, the, that mom is then going into the workforce every day to try to advance and provide as the primary income earner for her family. And then, right, right. and then has to go home and still live up, live up to all of the, the kids expectations of what their mom exactly. should be. Yeah. And is. Yeah. so it's, yeah. yeah, it's, it's a hard thing. Um, so this is the, perhaps, perhaps fatherhood is the world's second hardest job, but it's certainly yeah. not harder than being a mom. Yeah. Yeah. And, and one point you made in there, and this is, I guess, kind of one of my struggles as a dad is, that men still can't have it all either. Right. Like, right. I think you and I both would rather spend less time at work and more time with our kids for sure. Yeah. But because of our primary caregiver role, we, we have to go to work. We have to go do that. You know what I mean? So, right. um, that's, that's one thing where like, I, I wish I could help more with the kids. I wish I could be there more with my kids. Um, and I try to make the most of all the time I have with my kids. Um, and then when I do get those days where I'm the primary caregiver all day and Sadie is, uh, you know, she's out with her girlfriends or, or something. Um, I realize how hard her job is. So, yeah. Yeah. I, I realize the same thing on those, those days where I do get the opportunity to, you know, have half a day or whatever right. as, as the parent at home with the kids. Um, mm -hmm. it's, it's tough. It really wears on you. And I understand why when I come home from work at the end of the day, Sally is totally exhausted because right. it is a totally right. exhausting thing to do. So exactly. Yeah. Well, let's yeah. talk, let's dig a little bit deeper and talk about some of the specific struggles we have. And I want to follow the same ground rules that Sally did for her podcast, which is just, okay. we'll keep our kids names out of it just for sort of their, their uh -huh. own privacy. And, uh, I don't want them listening to the podcast, you know, 15 years hence and thinking that I unnecessarily embarrassed them or whatever. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. um, so, you know, and, and I do want to be clear that, you know, my, my parenting struggles are not about my kids as much as right. they are about me. So, um, right. you know, yeah. the, the ways that I struggle with administering discipline or uh, getting them to listen to me, uh, I take responsibility for that as the parent. So, right. Right. um, but so let me, let me share with you three things, Nate, that have been sort of hard. I think the first one is actually one that Sally mentioned in her podcast as well, but that's just that we've been having a tough time at bedtime. Mm. And, um, for most of my kids lives bedtime has been really smooth and we had some wow. wonderful friends who gave us excellent advice when, when our oldest was first born 
And that uh-huh. advice was basically establish a routine for bedtime and stick to right. it. Right. And so we've been really good about having a routine and we do the same thing every night. But about, I don't know, four months ago or so, mm-hmm. um, our middle child, who's two and a half, just started to like not want to go to bed. And <laughs> I know this is not a, a unique experience. I mean, I have I have friends who have shared with me their struggles too with getting their toddlers to fall asleep and right. do so in, in a reasonable amount of time and all of this. But for us, it's been a new experience and it's just been difficult because it's also widely variable. Some days, yeah, yeah. some days, you know, she'll just be really tired and we'll go right to sleep and we'll, you know, our routine is basically, let me back up. Our routine is basically, um, we do family prayers together at, you know, 6.30 or so uh-huh. by between 6.30 and 7 o'clock. We're kind of winding them down. We're reading them books. Right. Um, you know, we'll go into the room and uh, I'll read books together. And then from 7, 7 o'clock, 7.10 or so for the next 20 minutes, they listen to um, uh, an, like an Adventures in Odyssey. I don't know if you're familiar, you're familiar with Odyssey. Yeah, but, yeah I listen to that. As okay, a yeah, so they listen to an Adventures in Odyssey episode. And those are 20 minutes long. So right. by 7.30 theoretically things are wrapped up and and they're right. going to sleep and in some cases when she, when she is tired by the end of the odyssey episode she's asleep exactly in other cases an hour after the odyssey episode ends she's still not asleep and yeah yeah you know calling for us every 5 to 10 minutes right. or crawling into her sister's bed to instigate yeah. her sister and right. <laughs> um, and all of these things so that's that's been one uh, sort of head scratching thing because we aren't sure what happened when we had such a good bedtime routine and routine yeah. and now it's disrupted. Um, that's yeah. the first thing I think we're struggling with lately. Um, yeah. the second is just general obedience. And this has just been a theme of my parenting life forever. <laughs> and yeah. it's probably not an uncommon one again, but, um, just how, just, just struggling with how to instill a culture of obedience and respect mm-hmm. in your kids. Um, without being, you know, cause I don't want to be a disciplinarian who makes my kids fear me, of course, you know, right, that's not, right. that's not the kind of dad I want to be. Yeah. Um, and that's also, I mean, I think even if that approach has short term results, I don't mm-hmm. think it, I don't think it generates the, the affection and the, and the love that you want to foster between members of a family, you know? And I just yeah, think of yeah. like, I just think of stories of, um, you know, like my grandparents and what their parents did to them when they disobeyed, you know, like, yeah. t- you know, taking kids to the, to the outhouse with a switch or, or right. whatever, like that is not the kind of parent that I want to be. So how do I, how do I, um, get my kids to obey me the first time I say something, you know, I think, yeah. um, and, and a lot of times it's, it's like very, I mean, so, sometimes it's that they don't understand the directive and I totally understand that. Uh, yeah. I get that. Sometimes it's just that they want to disobey and they want to rebel. And so I'll say, uh-huh. don't do that. And they'll look at me and do that, you know? Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and getting, getting across to them is, is a difficult thing. And again, yeah. it's something that's highly variable. And sometimes uh-huh. they'll be fantastic and, you know, we'll have an outing to the store or whatever, and they will listen to me the entire time and be super well behaved. And then other times yeah. it's just, you know, all hell breaks loose and it's, it's a horrible experience. Right. Um, so that's, that's a second struggle. And then the final struggle, and this is where I, um, I sort of, uh, I just want to direct again that, you know, I, I know moms have it a lot harder, but when I come home at the end of a work day, I'm, you know, kind of tired out and it's hard for me to recalibrate my energy levels (laughs) to meet the, um, the three kids that are super excited to see me and wanting to wrestle me and have dad time and stuff. And I love doing that. 
And I do draw a certain energy from it, but it also requires some energy input for me to be fully present with them. And so I, I struggle with that sometimes too, just basically up, up, like between the time I get home between the time when I get home and up to their bedtime, it's just, it's just a a long kind of drag, you know, it's a two, two and a half hour drag and it's, it's tough to, um, have the energy there that I need to have to be a fully present engaged dad. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, so those are kind of the three things that I, I wanted to share with you tonight. Yeah. So I'm the last one. What's your, what's your commute? Like, I know you just moved, you just changed jobs and everything. Yeah. So, so, it's, so it's not, I don't like commutes at all. And yeah. my new commute is a lot better. It's about 15 minutes each way. Okay. And that is good in the sense that it's less car time. And so it maximizes right. family time. Right. What I've found though, is that, you know, moving from my old commute of 45 to 60 minutes in traffic, yeah. um, that gave me a lot of transition time. And I, I, exactly. I had yeah. that, I had that time to like move out of the work mode and yeah. gear up for being home so that when I got home, you know, I could spring out of the car and be like, all right, right let's do this. It's dad mode, yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, dad mode engage. And it's, it's a little bit harder with a short commute. Um, yeah. But I, at the same time, I'm grateful for the short commute because it just means more time with my family. And so I can't complain, yeah. but it, it I, I guess I need to figure out how to condense my transitional state into right. 15 minutes from 45, you know? Right, right. Have you, can you bike to work and from work? Um, that's a good question. That's, I, I did that when we lived in North Dakota. It, yeah. was, it was like a two mile bike ride. So it was a piece of cake, but it's, it's more than two. I mean, it's about seven yeah. miles. So it'd be a longer right. bike ride, um, yeah. but definitely doable. I think the bigger problem would be that there's a lot of traffic lights. So it, would, it wouldn't oh, be right. like continuous biking. Right. Right. Yeah. For me, it was easy, but yeah. that would, that was one way that helped me. I, you know, on the bike, I could just kind of clear my head of work and, and sure. get ready easier than driving. So, yeah, yeah. I like that idea it's, a it's lot, idea. at least in theory. Yeah. Right, well, how about right. you? What's your commute like? Do you, do you have a good transitional time? Oh yeah. My commute is 25 to 45 minutes, depending on traffic. Okay. Um, the city I'm in, there's only a couple ways across the river. And so traffic builds up. On those ways. There. Yeah, exactly. Um, so generally I'm, I'm just listening to music or podcast and that, and I, I think 20, 25 minutes is like the perfect time to decompress from work and get ready for, for home. So that tends to work out pretty well for me. I, I get frustrated in traffic. So oh, me there's too. a lot of traffic 100%, yeah. that kind of adds to the stress. Yeah. Um, so I, I, what I do, I don't, I don't know if your work schedule is flexible enough for this is I, you know, I, I try to get to work like six thirty, six forty five, uh-huh. and then I can leave work at like three thirty, and normally beat that afternoon rush hour. So, yeah. Yeah. That's what I used to do in my old job because I, I'm a morning person. And so I liked getting to work early and just you right. know, before everyone else. And I could be super productive, but yeah. with my, my new schedule, I've actually been kind of doing the opposite because huh. it's worked out well for me to go to the gym early and right. then come home right. and help Sally with the kids. And then we all go to mass together at eight. So it's, it's been oh, nice yeah. that we can have that morning time together as a family. And then yeah, I yeah. just sort of pay for it on the back end by coming home a little bit later, but it gotcha. doesn't make a huge difference because the traffic here isn't bad. And so I don't get yeah. stuck in big jams, yeah. um, yeah. for the most part. But it, yeah. as I hear you talk though, I think maybe one thing I need to do is just be better about as soon as I get into my car on the drive home, just yeah. putting all the work stuff out of my mind and starting my you know, yeah. intentionally starting my transition there, you know, right, right. Cause yeah. I think the problem is like I did it today, you know, I felt myself pulling into my driveway and thinking about work stuff. Exactly. And, yeah. Um, that's not helpful. It's, it's not right. going to help me then walk into the door 
20 seconds later and be ready to go. So I think I need yeah. to get into my car, deliberately put work stuff out of my mind, and then use that 15 minutes that I do have to more deliberately transition. So it's good advice. Exactly. Yeah. 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 And I, I definitely hear you on the first struggle too with bedtime. Um, you know, we, we moved here about six months ago. Um, it's been more difficult for our daughter because um, she, her room is upstairs now. Well, both kids' rooms are upstairs uh-huh. and we're downstairs. Um, and so she feels and is much further away from us than she was before. Oh, that's hard. Um, yeah. That's, I mean, yeah. I remember as a kid, you know, being scared at certain points going to bed. Right. Yeah, right. That's tough. So she's had a lot more anxiety about bedtime, about the dark recently. Um, so kind of like what you said, Adventures in Odyssey, we've been doing a, a kid podcast for her before bed. Um, she just has some headphones and we changed the iPad passcode so that she doesn't know it and she oh, can't that's pick smart. a new one. Yeah, good. <laughs> because yeah, she would just pick podcast after podcast. Endless podcast, yeah. <laughs> She'd just be listening to vernacular all night. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but then when we changed the passcode, she realized that she could just rewind it and just start it over. You know, it's not because oh, she can do that. Yeah, from yeah that's right. So, yeah. <laughs> Sneaky. So we, we had some struggles there, but um, listening to a podcast is definitely something that has helped her. You know, she's done um, Brains On from NPR and uh, what's the other one? Wow in the World. That's another. Oh, yeah. NPR we've done Wow kids. in the World. There's also, um, yeah. well, there's just Stories podcast. I don't know if you've seen that. Right. The, 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 the podcast art is like a green dragon on a white background. And then, yes, um, that's uh, Story Pirates. Uh, no, it's not Story Pirates. It's just Stories oh, it's Podcast. Stories oh, okay. Story Pirates is a different one. I found that okay. we found that to be a little bit advanced for our oldest. Still. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. But we also like Circle Round, which is uh, oh, okay. I think well, it's a I think it's like a uh, WBEZ. I think it's a public radio one of some sort out of Boston. Yeah, yeah, so. maybe. Yeah, I think I think that's what it is. Yeah, you can tell how much of an NPR nerd is. <laughs> yeah, I am. yeah, yeah that's it. Exactly. Um, yeah, so the podcast is something, and leaving her door open a crack is another thing that helped. Um, when it was real bad, you mentioned timers earlier. I we got some actual little hourglass timers. Oh yeah, um, which really helps her visualize. Yeah, that's how much that's time. Perfect. You know what I mean? And they're they're like two inches tall. Okay, nice. Yeah, just like um, a, like a like a board game timer almost. Yeah, pretty much. Um, but we had there's one that's five, ten, fifteen, and thirty minute timer. Okay. Um, and so, you know, I would tell, I would put her to bed. We, we do the whole routine, read books and everything, lay her down. And I would set that 30 minute timer and I would set one on my watch so I wouldn't forget. And I'd be like, okay, I'm going to come check on you in half an hour. Yeah. Um, and, and that really helped her know like, okay, this isn't the end. You know, I'm uh-huh. going to calm down. She would read books to herself or do her podcast or whatever for those 30 minutes. And then, uh, and then she would know that I'm coming back. And right. normally by that time, she was calm enough that that second like goodbye, good night is not as difficult. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, totally. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's so good. That's, does she, does she share a bedroom with your other kid? No, he's only 18 months. Um, and Sadie still nurses yeah, so, him so, normally mornings, yeah, that makes like sense. five in the morning. So, yeah. So he's in with you guys um, then? No, he's in his own room. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. He sleeps in his own room. He goes to bed same time as Pippa. And like I said, normally Sadie nurses him in the morning. Um, and then they both wind up getting up. He normally wakes up at like six thirty, and she gets up at like seven fifteen. But that's yeah. awesome that he's still nursing. Our, none of our kids have gone that long. Sally would he love it if they loves did. It. But yeah, yeah, that's great. He, he loves it, and it's yeah, Sadie loves it too. So he's never taken a bottle at all or a passy. Right. So yeah, he just he loves it. So yeah. Well, maybe when he's old enough for them to share a room, that would help Pippa's anxiety too a little bit. 
Yeah, I think it. I think it might. I yeah, think, I think that helped me because I, I. I think I remember, and again, like childhood memories are kind of fuzzy, but I think I remember right. having more bedtime anxiety before my brother was older, and then once I was sharing oh, okay. a bedroom with him, it was just it just helped a lot, um, especially when he was a little bit older too. So maybe it wouldn't help as much when uh, yeah. they're first sharing a room, but as soon as yeah. my brother was a little bit older, we could just you know talk and listen to stuff yeah. together and swap exactly. stories. So it was more, more right. enjoyable. Yeah. I mainly remember my brother pushing his feet up on the bunk bed to lift up my mattress. <laughs> oh, totally. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. We did that yeah. all the time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So struggles for us. Um, our big one recently is that our, our youngest, like I said, he's 18, 19 months now. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's uh, facing some, delays in development for speech. Um, so the, the difficult thing there, we're not concerned about it. Like it'll probably all work out in the end. Um, but the difficult thing is that, that he has a lot to communicate. Um, you know, he, he makes sounds and he, he, he does some sign language, but he also kind of talks with his hands Mm -hmm. just generally. Um, and we, and we can tell that he's trying to tell us something, like he has, he has clear thoughts that he's trying to communicate, but he just doesn't know how. Um, and so he gets frustrated, um, which, which becomes difficult for us. Cause then we get frustrated cause we're trying to help, but we don't know how. Um, and, and he, and he's in therapy for that at once every two weeks or so. Um, so I think that's been our biggest struggle recently. And as a dad, I'm not, as present for that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, Absolutely. so just, just like we were talking about earlier where, you know, I come home from work and, um, you know, wife, mom is exhausted. Um, and it, it's, it's kind of even more so for Sadie because of that. Um, and then I'm not able to be present for all of his therapy appointments right. either. Um, and, and really the therapy is not so much for him. It's also for us mm-hmm. to, cause we're the primary therapist really in his case. Yeah. It's, um, it's kind of like a, hour long training session for him, but also for you guys, so you can keep, exactly. keep those things going through the week. Right. Right. Exactly. So, um, so when I'm not there for that, then I'm out of the loop even more. And I, I don't understand what CD and him are working through or struggling with. Um, so I, I've decided to try to make it a point to, you know, change my work schedule a little bit on those days when he has therapy to, yeah, to that'd be, be great. present for that and try to be part of it. So, yeah, yeah. Well, for what it's worth on that point, I, I'm not a therapist and doctor and I haven't evaluated your son, but I I can speak from my personal experience. Not that I remember this, but my parents tell me I barely spoke until I was three Mm -hmm. and I was also delayed on crawling as well. So, uh, there's, there's hope for him, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't wish it upon him that he be like me in any way, but (laughs) there's, 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 there's hope for him that he might turn out. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That we're not we're not too concerned about it. Um, but but I, I early and, yeah, but know. I do take your point that it is it's tough when you can't be there for all the therapy and feel like you yeah. are feel like you're pulling your weight in that you know. So I exactly yeah. I totally understand you. Do you yeah. do you ever have frustration? This is a little bit off topic, but just back to the point about like coming home from work. Do you ever have frustration when you get home and you want to or need to tell Sadie something about your day, but the kids won't let you? <laughs> Yes. Yeah. That's, that's another thing I was experiencing that today because I was trying to, you know, just give Sally some developments from what happened at work. And every time I opened my mouth, 
like one of the kids would need something and right. it wasn't right. intentional. I don't fault them for it at all, but right. it was, I had to, I had to hold my frustration in check because it was difficult. I was like, I just want to talk to my wife for like 30 seconds. Just give me exactly, 30 seconds. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, I didn't say that of course, but that's, that's yeah. what I was thinking. And that's another challenge that, that I have sometimes. Yeah. I, and, and I hear that from Sadie a lot. Like, I just want to be able to talk, you know, um, it's more frustrating for her because she's been dealing with it all day. Yeah, that's true. Um, I should, yeah, I should say yeah. the same for Sally too. Cause she, yeah, exactly. she also, uh, finds that pretty exacerbate, exasperating. Yeah. Yeah. And our youngest will just, you know, just scream, just scream for no reason, just happy screams, you know, but it's like, sure, yeah. hey, you know, we can't even talk over it. So yep. it's like, yeah. yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So that's, I, I just, we just got to table it until bedtime, but then, yeah, I, I'm sure you guys are the same way. By the time bedtime actually comes, we're both so exhausted that we're like, we don't want to talk about it, you know, cause we're already stressed. And so, especially if it's something contentious, mm-hmm. that's True. normally not a good time to talk about it. So, yeah. yeah. Well, I do appreciate you sharing some of those things and it's always helpful for me as a dad to talk to another dad, just, just for kind of a sanity check, make sure, right. make sure I'm on the right track and, yeah. um, doing things uh do you have any ideas about like any just general thoughts on discipline yeah um i i mean to cover the basics i'm sure you know this um one thing we always try to do is get you know on eye level with our kids yeah um which definitely seems to help um so you're not just talking down to them constantly exactly yeah you know if, if if i need to have a serious conversation with my oldest, I will, you know, grab her and put her on my lap or I'll kneel down on one knee and, you know, kind of hold her and get, get right there. And then obviously she, she can get very, I guess this is another struggle. She can get very, like if we are firm with her, she will say, and I don't know if she's trying to manipulate a little bit. I don't think she is, but she'll say like, it seems like you don't love me. You know what I mean? When we're, when we're firm with her. Mm -hmm. And, and so then I just kind of have to explain, no, I'm being firm because I love you. you, It's it's my job to make sure that you are respectful, you know, um, and obedient and caring. And so when I, when I'm firm with you, it's to help you do those things. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So, um, the the other thing finding an actual way to discipline is difficult. Um, obviously we don't want to hit. And so, uh, a timeout is normally what we go to. Yep. Um, and then again, the timers are helpful there because I think it's difficult to tell a five-year-old or a four-year-old, like you can come out when you're ready to obey. Yeah. I've made that mistake a few times recently. And what happens is, uh, she changes her attitude. Well, she says she changes her attitude immediately. Uh-huh. She's like, you know, I'm, I'm ready to obey, but she's still, you know, like throwing a fit or whatever. And so right, I said like, right. no, you're not go to your room until you're ready to obey. And then yeah. she'll run up to her room and then immediately run back down and say, I'm ready to <laughs> obey. So yeah, exactly. yeah the, I should, yeah. I should employ the timer when I use that. Tactic. Yeah. It's a good idea. Yeah. I, I think the timer is helpful there. Yeah. I think that was my two big things. And okay. then for discipline for the youngest, I, there's not, not much we can do there. Um, that's where, since we can't really communicate with him, mm-hmm. I have used like a flick on the wrist occasionally, mm-hmm. um, just for dangerous things. Like, yeah, no, of course. Yeah. If he is reaching for the stove, fireplace, yeah. yeah, that's, that's the only time I use something like that when I need to be firm and quick. Um, but other than that, it's, it's mainly just kind of redirecting him. Yep. Um, 
he likes to climb a lot. He likes to climb on the table, which is, you know, he'll climb up on a chair and then onto the table. Great place for an 18 month old. Exactly. Yeah. It's, it's terrible. So yeah, our little guys going everywhere as well. And you know, if we, if we're not watching him carefully, he's liable to fall down the steps and just because he wants to, he's so mobile now and he just wants to be everywhere and do everything. So yeah. We've been doing a lot of redirecting with that. Like, no, you can't climb on the table, but you can climb on the couch. Right. Yeah, that's or, good. Yeah. You know. And we just recently got, I don't know if you've heard of it. It's called a nugget couch. No, I'm going to look um, this up right now, though. Nugget couch, like should. a chicken nugget. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it comes in four pieces, two big flat pieces that fold in half. And then two. Oh, like, I've seen these pieces. before. I forget yeah. where I saw this. Maybe I saw this in like a, like a gym child care or something. I don't know. Where right. I saw yeah. This. Yeah. So we've got one of those up in the loft now and it's been awesome because uh, both of them, and it's, it's good for both of them. Like I said, they're five and a half and 18 months. So there's a big age gap, but it's still a toy that they can play with together. Um, cause the oldest can kind of build things with it, make forts, make slides. Um, you know, this is super cool. I'm going to get one of these. Yeah. Wow. It's expensive, but it looks awesome. It it is expensive. Yeah. Our youngest can jump on it, you know, and and toss it around and stuff like that. And and there's not much risk of him falling and getting hurt, especially on the carpeted floor up there. So I I love toys that encourage kinetic play like that. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Kids can just get their energy out without damaging themselves or other items or other people. Right. Right. And there's no instructions with it. I mean, you know, on the box or the package, there's a couple different ideas of, how to set it up, but like, it's totally open to the kids to figure out what to do with it and how to play with it. So this is great. I'm going to put this uh, like at number one on our Christmas list. I'm going to talk about this with Sally as soon as I get off the phone here. Yeah. That's great. Thanks for that. Awesome. The only other thing I'll add on the discipline piece is a, an insight that I've sort of come to gradually in my journey as a dad. And that's Mm -hmm. that a lot of times, uh, it seems like the, the disobedience that, manifest itself through my kids is a result of emotions that are spiraling out of control and then like mm-hmm. frustration or an inability to deal with those emotions. Yeah. And so what yeah. ends up happening is that, you know, it lashes out in a, in an attitude of rebellion or an act of rebellion against whatever I'm telling them to do. And so right. something that I've, that's been helpful for me lately and that I'm trying to get better at is rather than respond um, in the moment with a like corrective with like a, you know, a counteraction, a corrective counteraction, right. um, instead like helping them calm down, you know, and that could right, be, right. that could be sending them to their room until they calm down. Uh, yeah. although I should use the timer as we t- discussed, yeah, yeah, or yeah. it could be like, just come over here and let me hold you on my lap and I'll just, you know, hug you tight until, right. until you calm down. And yeah. I find that pretty helpful as well because then um, especially if things are kind of spiraling out of control and they're getting very frustrated and starting uh-huh. to, to wail and have a tantrum, if you can help them calm down, I think they're going to be much more receptive to what you're saying. And they'll actually hear what you're saying because when a kid's having a yeah, tantrum, exactly. they're not, they're not really hearing what, yeah. what you're saying when you're trying yeah. to help them stop having a tantrum. So right. that's another thing that's been helpful for me. And like I said, I'm trying to get better at that. That's especially useful for our oldest when we're having a play date and she mm-hmm. starts acting out. Oh yeah. Um, you know, we, we just had friends in town. So there were, uh, four, six, eight kids, five and under all playing together. Oh and these goodness. are kids that have wow. literally known each other since birth, but you know, it gets wild when you have that many kids. And okay. so well, when she would start acting up, we would just 
take just her and take her to a separate room away from all the other kids and just kind of give her some one-on-one time and, and focus and let her calm down. And that definitely helped when she went back to play with all the other kids. So, yeah. right. Cause I think just like adults, right. Kids have different personality types and Absolutely, some adults yeah. are able to hang out at a party for five hours and be none the worse. And right. some adults can be at a party like that for an hour and a half before they need to step outside and get some air and just get some yeah. distance, you know, and kids are yeah, the same way. Yeah. So I think being a parent and being able to recognize when you see that in your kid and then help them get the space that they need to sort of reset and exactly. refocus, it's super helpful. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, good Nate. This is all helpful. Yeah. Thanks so much. We are just about out of time. I think yeah, thank you. maybe as a final thing, um, looking back now as a, as someone who's been a, dad for several years Mm -hmm. what's the one thing that you wish you could you know if you if you could go back and tell yourself the pre-dad nate uh, go back in time and tell yourself one thing about being a dad what do you think that would be i think it would have something to do with expectations um particularly around expectations of um when we were going to have kids and how we were going to have kids um, cause we, we wanted to have like four, four kids, uh-huh. um, in, you know, in fairly quick succession, we didn't want to have a four year age gap, but I'm sure as longtime listeners, the podcast will know we had two, two miscarriages, one stillbirth, well, a miscarriage and a stillbirth mm-hmm. between our two kids. And so, um, just kind of realizing how frequent miscarriage and stillborn stillbirth can be. And just kind of managing that expectation that it might not turn out like we want it to. Um, but I mean, even if it doesn't turn out how you want it to, it's still going to be awesome. Um, yeah, there was a lot of pain in our story, but I, I love my kids how they are. I love having a boy and a girl. I love that they are four years apart. Like I said, it's a struggle sometimes. Um, but it's, it's still been an amazing, amazing journey. So, yeah. That's beautiful. And I've always been inspired by your guys' story. So thanks for sharing a little mm-hmm. bit of that. I'm going to yeah. use that as a jumping off point for what I wish I told myself because it's, it's related, I think. And mm-hmm. that's kind of along the lines of managed expectations. I would also want to remind myself that there's no, there's no single um, kind of archetype of a kid. And there's no, mm-hmm. there's no, single way to parent. I think a lot of times, um, before I was a dad, I had images of me being a dad and thought that I knew exactly how I was going to parent and thought that I would raise my children to be exactly a certain way. Mm -hmm. And then having kids, I quickly realized that every child is so uniquely different and have, they, they have different capacities for, uh, imagination and love and activity. And you have to take those things as they come. And that's not a bad thing. That's a really good thing because being a dad has been way better than I ever imagined because to be honest, I sort of imagined it in this, like, I don't know, cookie cutter, suburban, uh, boring way, really, if I'm I'm being honest about it. And there's been so much more variety than I expected. So many more challenges, for sure. Uh-huh. So much more missleep and all of these things. Um, it has not been the smooth journey that I once imagined in my mind's eye, but it's yeah. been, it's been a lot more beautiful. And so I think, um, adjusting my expectations from the beginning towards that 
would have helped me be a little bit more ready for this, this journey. But at the same yeah. time, I think, and maybe, maybe you would agree with this too. At the same time, I don't know if I would go back and change that because I think part of my own development in this journey has been that realization. And, right. and if I had myself earlier to go back and tell me all the ways I was wrong, I don't think I would have appreciated it or truly learned it in the way that I have. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so similarly, yeah. like if I, if I could talk to my own self 15 years from now, 20 years from now, whatever, when I'm an empty nester and my kids are yeah. grown and gone, like, I don't know if I'd want to pick my brain really, because I think, yeah. you know, part of life, part of the journey is, is learning things along the way and leaning on, right. leaning on people who are in your life at that moment and being, right. being able to be truly present and live in the now. So that's exactly. been, yeah. that's been a good thing as a dad yeah. too. And so we have to take yeah. it, take it as it comes one day at a time. And it, it can be a struggle, but at the end of the day, I'm super happy having, you know, this job and I wouldn't trade it for anything. And I would, you know, if someone offered me the most lucrative career possible, if I could trade in my you know, trade in being a dad, there's no way I would yeah. take that deal. You know, this, yeah, this yeah. is, this is the part of my life that I value the most and uh, exactly. I, I wouldn't have it any other way. So yeah, being present is definitely something that I've learned from it. Um, I mean, it, it definitely stings when, when my daughter calls me out, like, Hey, put your phone down. Oh, totally. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so def definitely being present is, uh, something that I've, I've learned from this and, and the, the selflessness that's required is, is another lesson that I've learned, you know? So, yeah. Yeah, I totally agree. And this is not a unique, unique to dad thing. This is a unique to parent thing, but exactly. Sa yeah. Sally and I talk a lot about like how to set technology boundaries for families and, yeah. It's not a problem now when our kids don't have cell phones and we control exactly when they're on the computer. And I mean, they're not on the computer mm -hmm. now, but like right. if they were on the computer, we could control that because they're young kids right. and we right. control when they watch movies and stuff like that. But, yeah. but we still have to build this culture of intentionality in our family about when and how we use technology. Mm -hmm. And that, like you said, that does extend to Sally and I and when we're on right. our phones and not on our phones and, you know, can we have phones at the dinner table in our house? Exactly. No, you know, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. um, and so things like that are really good. And I think that, that our generation has to think about that a lot more intentionally than any other generation because we, we have yeah. technology invading our homes. Like it's never before. So yeah, we, we could unpack that for a long time. We won't, we won't now I'll end it here mm -hmm. and just say, Nate, thanks so much for coming on. It's always a joy to talk to you and thanks for doing what you do as a dad. I enjoy watching you from afar and watching you, uh, be, be a great dad and you know through all the struggles of it still every day continue to post you know doing dad stuff on instagram <laughs> yeah <laughs> and yeah. and be present with your kids so thanks for that yeah thanks for the encouragement that you guys have been throughout this this whole journey and uh and for your example as a dad too